the book of Isaiah, <clears throat> major prophet, chapter number 14 is infamous because it details Lucifer, his intentions, and God's prophecy for him. Look at verse number 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Now, <clears throat> the word Lucifer is not used anywhere else in Scripture. That insertion in verse number 12 was placed there by a man named Jerome. A very hotly debated insertion, by the way. The sun of the morning is talking about Venus, which is the bright, reflective planet that introduces the rising of the sun. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? Verse number 17 that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof that opened not the house of his prisoners. <clears throat> when Lucifer was permitted, the permission granted to them by Adam and Eve, they turned the potentiality of the dominion and subduance and a flourishing garden that I believe would have circumvented the globe had they continued to move beyond the borders. But the world became a wilderness because of Lucifer's influence. I want to talk to us for a few moments here this morning about prisons and prisoners. Prisons and prisoners. And I know we've worshiped the Lord a bunch here this morning. We pray to magnify his name, but I want us to lay our Bibles down and pray that God would give a unique word <clears throat> to all of us here today. Would you pray that with me? God, in the name of Jesus, you've taken the time to be here, well-groomed. God, give us something that will change our world and not sustain our religiosity. We ask it. In the name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ, and everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. As I've already mentioned, once Lucifer was in control, the Bible said that the world became a wilderness, and he opened not the house of his prisoners, captives, those that are bound. 
prisons and prisoners are as old and historic as humanity itself. The Word of God is replete with examples of prisons and prisoners. Some of the earliest records of incarceration go all the way back to ancient Egypt and Mesopotamia. And it reveals that prisons were, at least initially, they were underground. Very fitting. Even the famous prison at Rome where the Apostle Paul spent some time. He was, at, he was under house arrest for a long time. But he actually spent time at Mamertine, which is an extremely famous Roman prison. And um, you can just imagine what the conditions of an underground prison would be like without ventilation, without running water, all types of vermin, <clears throat> creepy, crawly things. And that's all part of your punishment, I suppose. Interestingly, and fast forward to the 21st century, for many, many years, America has been the leader of the world in both prisons and prisoners. Even though America only represents 5% of the population of the world, it has more people in incarceration than any other nation, way beyond even its closest rival, which would be number two, which is China, and China, which has several billion people. They're just at a very low percentage for incarceration. It might be because they just kill people. I don't know. But America is the leader of prisons and prisoners. Now, what I'm about to talk about here for a few moments, it fascinates me. And it is the psychology that is experienced by the incarcerated. We are not talking about people in the drunk tank. I've spent a few days in the drunk tank um, long before I was saved. Aren't you glad I added that long before I was saved? If you're in the drunk tank and you claim to be saved, you need to hit this altar and get delivered today before you leave this place. But I've spent my time in a drunk tank or two and seen what goes on there. But I'm talking about penitentiaries. I'm talking about long-term incarceration. There is a noted psychological deterioration that takes place in people that are incarcerated. Somebody that recently did a study of this did the top 10 adverse psychological effects, which are beginning the very first psychological effect is delusion because people get cut off from real life and life outside the walls of a penitentiary. They suffer from delusion, from paranoia, from claustrophobia, from depression, from panic and stress, increased levels of hostility 
hostility, self-destructive behavior. And what's interesting to me is even after release from the penitentiary, there is a struggle for prisoners to be integrated into our culture. In fact, um, I mean, this is, a, this is an incredibly um, interesting study that says that some men, because they cannot become integrated into culture, they reoffend because they had already acclimated to living a life beyond, behind walls and living a life behind bars and already become used to the programming of prison life. And so that integration into, into the public becomes a daunting task for many uh, lifelong prisoners. And some of them experience they're really not rehabilitated because many of them, as I said, they just reoffend. but some of them offend in different ways because of the conditioning of being, of being incarcerated. The first prison to ever be identified in the Word of God is also underground. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse number 4 says this, for if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. The supernatural prison that exists, that is keeping angels that left their first habitation and keeping them in store and in hold, is, is called being underground. It is uh, likened unto the bottomless pit. They are uh, bound by chains. The Bible goes on to say in Jude, verse number six, it says, and the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, he has reserved into everlasting chains under darkness into the judgment of the great day. Now, there are some people that believe that this is not talking about the first insurrection uh, that took place when Lucifer got kicked out of heaven and he persuaded a third of the angels to leave. This is a second insurrection that many biblical expositors believe took place in the book of Genesis chapter number six when there was a commingling, an intermingling between the angelic realm and human beings uh, with giants being the byproduct of that. I do not know. But I do know that angels that left their first estate were kept in chains of darkness. And then in 1 Peter chapter number 3, verse number 18, the Bible said, For Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Next verse. By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. There's an interesting thing about that passage of Scripture, that when they placed Jesus' body in the tomb and rolled a stone over the, over the mouth of that tomb, that it literally became a prison. But Jesus didn't stay in that tomb. Jesus went down as a lost human being, and he, when he got down into death, hell, and the grave, he preached to the spirits that were in prison. And it probably went something like this. You might be staying here, but I'm not staying here. God has an affinity 
to people that are incarcerated. God has a special place in his heart for people that are in solitary confinement and people that are, in, uh, that are captives uh, under the crushing claws of the enemy. I want you to know that God is on your side. You might be here today and you look good. You might smell good. Everything might be fine, but you know you're in bondage and you know you're a captive and you know that you live in a self-imposed prison. I am your best friend here today. I have come to tell you about the emancipation proclamation that God is going to bring you out with a mighty hand. And most famous prison, and there's numerous prisons throughout the Bible. Joseph spent 20 years in an Egyptian prison, but he was there doing the work of God and the will of God fulfilling prophecy. Even Jonah, you could call the belly of the whale a prison that brought him to repentance. Samson, that just played around a little too long with fornication and adultery, had his eyes put out when he was in the prison. On and on and on and on and on we go. But the most famous prison is found in Acts chapter number 16. The apostle Paul is caught between two continents. In Acts chapter number 16, right before he moves into Asia, God gives him a vision, gives him a dream of a man in Macedonia saying, come over and help us. Now, this is unique. You have to understand that there's a much bigger spiritual purpose behind this than just the Apostle Paul being rerouted because the Apostle Paul is now caught between two continents, and he's about to go further into Asia, but now God is sending him to Europe. And he is sending him to Macedonia. I have looked at this particular passage of scripture many, many times. I've scrutinized every word. I've scrutinized every verse. I've parsed it. I've looked at it in Greek. I've looked at this thing every way that I can. And I can't find anywhere where they made contact with this man from Macedonia. As soon as the Apostle Paul and Silas get there, biblical expositors tell us that actually Timothy was part of that, but Timothy is not in this recorded account. It's Paul and Silas. They go out to pray, and they meet a woman by the name of Lydia, a seller of purple from Thyatira. She has a residence in Philippi. She obeys the gospel. She is baptized in Jesus' name. And she takes Paul and Silas in. This is the beginning of their exploits in Philippi. And then they go back out to pray by the river. And there is a woman with a spirit of divination. She was possessed. Now, it wasn't it wasn't somebody possessed that was following the apostles around that was cursing them, that had vile cursings, that was cursing God's men. 
She was saying, these are men of the Most High God that bring to us the way of truth, the way of salvation. You have to get this. This is an important factor because we're dealing with these factors in the 21st century. The Apostle Paul understood that this woman has an unclean spirit and she is proclaiming to have truth and he got tired of it and rebuked that spirit out of this woman. Listen, God will never allow an unclean vessel to be used to propagate truth. This is one of the reasons why we're not preaching on television. Right between some sexual, mildly sexual commercial of using right guard, we'll go right back to Pastor Mayo preaching. I don't think so. But there were some men that were making money off this woman. There is a modern vernacular word that is used for those kind of men. I am not going to use it here today. I'm sure that some of you already know what that is. But when they saw that the hopes of their gain was gone, she's now free from her spirit, and she's probably saying, you know, I need to get home, and I've got a family, and I need to get on with my life. Her masters accused Paul and Silas of destroying their income. It was a form of human trafficking. And so they drew Paul and Silas into the marketplace. You're familiar with the story. They beat them. I mean, they beat them really good to where they were hurting. They beat them real good. And then they put them in prison. And the jailer was given instructions that you better really keep an eye on these two. So he put them in the inner prison. We're not just talking about behind a wall. We're talking about behind a wall, then another wall, and then another wall. It's in the inner prison. And he put their feet in stocks. And stock, you know what that is. It is a a device that goes over the ankles or the legs and is locked to where there is no mobility. And so here's a couple God called, one God, baptized in Jesus' name, preachers, that are half beat to death, that are in the inner prison. It stinks. There's no USDA sanitary hygienic standards for the preparation and serving of food. There'd be a lot to complain about. There'd be a lot to whine about. There'd be a lot to say, you know, I never, I never signed up for this. I never signed up for this prison stuff. We were just out here doing the work of God. We were motivated by a vision. We were motivated by a dream. We're here following the will of God, and now we're, we're beat half to death, and we're in a prison. But the Bible said at midnight, Paul and Silas began to pray and sang praises unto God. Ladies and gentlemen, the darker the night, the brighter the light. I fear that in the 21st century, 
that people that have pursued the American dream for so long that they can't make a differentiation, uh, they can't make a distinction between the will of God and the American dream are now saying that if it feels good, it must be God, and if it feels bad, it must be the devil. Ladies and gentlemen, when it's dark and you're in the stocks and you're beat up, it's not time to whine and complain. It's time to sing praises to God. I'm trying to show you it'll motivate God to get you out of your prison, get you out of your place, get you out of your situation. Come on, let's clap our hands and give him praise right now. Maybe somebody just needs to go ahead and praise God right now. Maybe somebody just needs to go ahead and turn your complaining into praising. Well, I ain't got no reason to praise God. That is... Immature, right on the verge of backsliding kind of faith. That I'm not going to praise God because I don't feel like praising God. Well, how many of you are going to climb out of bed tomorrow when it's 11 degrees outside and say, you know what, it's time to go to work because someone's got to pay to keep the lights on and somebody's got to pay to keep this, this beautiful place and somebody's got to pay because they got children to feed. No, you're operating on responsibility. When you're, when you're feeling down, that's the best time to let the devil know, you ain't got no change on me. Oh, come on, somebody. I ain't... I ain't got nothing to praise God. Are you breathing? Are you here today? Are you, did you arrive in an automobile? Come on, somebody. Shame on this 21st century. Let, no, we're going to spend a little time here today because the prisoners need to hear this. Go ahead and give him praise. Go ahead and lift his name. Go ahead and give him glory. And the prisoners heard them. God brought you a mighty long way just to put you in a prison so that people that were on death's row could hear somebody lift their voice and magnify. Come on, let's praise him. Let's give him glory. Are you breathing? You're not in ICU. In fact, these are the only guys that I can find in Acts 16 that the Apostle Paul did have contact with. Could it be possible, Brother Roberts, that God will get you in untoward circumstances? My preaching did not do that. And mama knows how to take care of that. Well, pastor, you just don't know how bad it is. And you don't know how long I've been living like this. Let me tell you how you get out of that prison. You have to change how you think. You've been in prison so long, it's actually conditioned how you think. I'm not going to lift my hands. I'm not going to lift my voice. I don't feel like doing anything. I'm in this. I feel depressed. You need to say, my environmental condition does not change my God. Come on. Come on. Here's the, 
here just a few moments ago. We were running. We were jumping. We were shouting because God is great, and God is greatly to be praised all the time, everywhere, in any situation, in any environment. Go ahead and clap your hands and give him praise. couple very salient points I want to make about this. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been doing this a long time. I was doing whirlybirds up here today. Windmills, whirlybirds. The world would call that foolish. I wonder if the reason why you can't praise him. No, 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 no. You got to understand something. We're not going to build a church on the 21st century because we're part of an organization. Those credentials mean nothing in this world today. We are not going to build a 21st century apostolic church because you're the best-looking group of people in Liberty Lake right now. And I really believe that. Isn't that right, Brother Leon? We are not going to build a church because we've got some of the most incredible singing. You are going to build a church because you've got people that have been liberated. And people that are sitting in the back are thinking, I wonder if I can get free. I wonder if I can flick this cigarette. I wonder if I can walk out of immorality. I wonder if I can get delivered from years and years of bondage, of online pornography, though I've been lying to everybody about it and acting one way and living another way. Somebody lift your voice and let the prisoners know. You might be in a dungeon, but there's help. You might be in a prison, but he's worthy. You see, you may be seated. What I'm seeing in Scripture is I'm seeing that God, every once in a while, he will allow people to, become, he, to, to be placed in absolute adversarial situations. Daniel prayed three times a day. Some low-income, low-lifes persuaded the king to say he ought not be praying three times a day. But Daniel would open up his windows, and he would just pray. And so they said, oh, king, you know what happens to somebody that prays all day long? They're going to have to be thrown to the lions. And so Daniel, you know the story, they put him in a prison. <laughs> and there was lions in there. I wonder what Daniel did. Now, little pussycat, <clears throat> I'll stay over here, and you stay over there. I wonder if he played, I wonder if he played like, a, like an animate object. Knowing that the lions would never investigate. I wonder if he curled up 
in, in a ball like somebody is told to do if there's a grizzly bear chewing on your legs. I'm going to tell you what Daniel did in a prison with lions. He said, God, I've been praying to you every day, and I'm going to pray to you right now. And God stopped the mouths of lions. You might be in a prison, child of God, but God's right there with you. Clap your hands and give God the praise. You're not in some fake, feel-good, contemporary church. This stuff is real. The Holy Ghost is real. God is real. The devil is real. He walks about as a roaring lion, and you can shut his mouth through prayer. There's been some times as a pastor of this congregation with my back against the wall and the devil trying to fill my brain with every potential thing that could go wrong, trying to affect my anointing, trying to affect my level of encouragement. And I'm going to tell you what, when the pastor gets discouraged, you got a problem. I'm going to tell you what Jesus did. Jesus said, I'm going to preach my way out of this. There's just sometimes the pastor rears back and says, you know what? There is a God and there is a devil and God is winning and God is with us and we've got the victory and our name is written on the other side and the devil's alive. Clap your hands again. You've got to preach your way out of it. I might need saints to help me. I might need the pew to help me. I don't need you to sit there. I need you to come to my rescue. Well, Pastor, I just don't feel nothing. You are going to end up being a depressed prisoner if you're the person that's only going to praise God when you feel it. So you got to learn to pray your way out of prison. You got to learn to preach your way out of prison. Well, Pastor, I'm not called to preach. Oh, you can preach. Your husband and your children have been hearing some good preaching. Brother Joel Holmes said that my wife's a better preacher than I am. And of course, he's one of my bishops, so I just take it. But I don't believe it. There's sometimes mama gets on my back. Oh, don't get quiet on me now. Pastor, you need to call the Red Cross. No, I don't. I need to call Jesus. Here's Paul and Silas. They're in a jail. It stinks. They're thinking we were doing the will of God and we ended up in jail. First dimension is you got to learn to pray your way out of prison. Second dimension, you got to learn to preach your way out of a dead end. And the third dimension, you got to say, you know what? God is still great. Let's sing a song. God is still worthy. Let's pray a prayer. You got to praise your way out of. Come on, somebody. No, 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 no. Somebody needs to get out of prison today. Well, I don't ever see my parents do that at home. They need to. 
Wow, that got quiet real fast. Your kids need to hear you praise God at home. Your kids need to hear you praying at home. How are they going to know to get out of prison? How are they going to know to get out of a lion's den? How are they going to know to get out of a dead-end situation? I saw my mom and dad, they praised their way out. I saw my mom and dad, they prayed their way out. I saw my mom and dad, they preached their way out. Clap your hands and give him praise. Come on, somebody, clap your hands. Put some energy into it. Let's come out of our self-imposed prison. And the prisoners heard them. It's in there. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Dude, where are those guys on drugs? They're singing in a prison. You know, it's like the Babylonians taunting the Jews. Take your harps down and sing us a song of Zion. That was, that was a sarcastic, evil request, knowing that they're no longer in Zion and they have nothing to sing about. A bird, that, a captive bird that you, you take from the wild will not sing in a cage. And this is cornerstone. This is, this is so elementary, but this is fundamental to who we are as a people. When we come together and we magnify God together, it's not based on how I feel. Oh, man. Do I really got to lift my hands today? Is pastor going to make me do something today? You know, if you just go ahead and get out of your complain zone, God just might heal you. See, God took the nicotine so I could praise him. God took the profanity out of my mouth so I could magnify him. God took chains off my feet so I could run. God, God took those addictions out of my life so that I could be holy. God set me free so that I could praise him. Stand to your feet and magnify him with a voice of triumph. Come on, show the prisoners how to do it. Come on, let's praise him a little bit right now. I'm going to give you praise. I should have died in a car accident, but I'm praising him here today. I should have got cancer, but I'm praising him here today. I should have messed up and, and been in jail myself, but I'm praising him here today. I should have been busted and my marriage over, but I'm praising him here today. Come on, somebody give him glory. Come on, Paul. Come on, Silas. Let the prisoners see something. All right, God bless you. Thank you. You may be seated. When we come together, you might have somebody over here in the Dental Alliance. You might have somebody over here that's in stocks. 
And I'm not talking about Wall Street. You might have somebody here that just barely made it in the door. But there's nothing more powerful to God that somebody that goes against their environmental, their emotional, the programming that the devil's trying to put on them and says, he's still worthy. He still loves me. He still talks to me. He still wants me. Come on, somebody. He's still worthy of my prayer. That is one of the factors of a 21st century apostolic church. Thank you. What's your name? Let me introduce to this congregation a strapping example of apostolic masculinity here. And I mean that. And all the young ladies say amen. Hey, the thing is, there's going to be prisoners. There's prisoners that are in this audience today. They're not going to tell you that they're bound because they're ashamed of their chains. They're ashamed of being in bondage. But when somebody, I saw, I saw a whole group of young guys here just running, boom, 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 boom. I was slapping hands, doing palm, do, 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 do. We were doing it all. You know what that tells the that you know what that tells our visitors? There's something here that is not in ABC. It's not in XYZ. It's not over there. It ain't got nothing to do with contemporary music. It ain't got nothing to do but the power and the liberty of the Holy Ghost. Somebody shout. Somebody give him praise. That is a fundamental, fundamental, fundamental. Fundamental, critical key to modern apostolic revival. And typically what happens is very sweet, well-meaning people, godly people. Some of you are here today. I love you. I'm so glad you're here. Don't leave. We'll get involved in a 25-week Bible study where I can explain everything, why wheels are round and squares are four-sided. But my Bible tells me that where the Spirit of the Lord is, what really excites me is I see the elder take a lap. He ain't got to do that. He's, he's, got, he's got elder status. Me? I made it to about right there where Brother Wallace J. Reed is. That's the best I can do. But, honey, I ain't waiting on nobody to run. When I feel to run, I'm just going to go ahead and run and give it the best I got. You want to know why? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Devil, you ain't got no chains on me. Your lies won't work. Condemnation won't work. We are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. But I have heard from a lot of very sweet people. Pastor, 
I'm not sure I can do that. What? Well, everybody's jumping, running. I understand. Just stay where you are and watch what happens. When I first walked in, let me tell you what happened. Go to that first scripture in Psalms. Let me show you how much God is interested in the prisoners today. Let the sign of the prisoner. When you walked into the prisons that are archaic and are mentioned in the word of God, it wasn't like walking in and, you know, whistling in the corridors. You'd hear, oh, people, people giving their last utterance, dying in stocks, dying in the prison house. Oh. No infirmary to send them to, no pill to give them, no drug to make them happy for the last remaining days of their incarceration. They're just, if you're sick, you deserve to be sick. Just, just you're going to die right there. Ah! But the writer of the book of Psalms says, let the sign of the prisoner come before thee according to the greatness of thy power. Preserve thou those that are appointed to die. That's talking about death row. Satan will never open up his prison house. But when you come to Cornerstone... Go to that next scripture, please. For he has looked down from the height of his sanctuary, from the heaven to the Lord, behold the earth. Go to the next one. To hear the groaning of the prisoner, God comes down off the throne, and he's listening to people that are moaning in their spirit today. I've got this real slick three-piece suit with this nice vest. But ladies and gentlemen, 34 years ago, I was on a stained linoleum floor as an alcoholic. And I said with tears streaming down my face, if there's a God Please help me. If you ever pray that prayer, if you ever pray that prayer, if you get to the place of being humbled by your circumstance of destitution and need, 100% of the time, God will answer that prayer. It was just a few weeks after that, my brother knocked on the door, invited me to an apostolic church, and I'm preaching this message to you today. There's people all over this metroplex that are throwing down the bottle on a bar stool saying, please, I, I don't know how to get free. My, my marriage, my wife is weeping her eyes out over my pornography problem. I've lied to her so many times, but she keeps catching me, and now my marriage is on the rocks. If there's a God, help me. Welcome home. 
the woman whose husband cannot quit committing fornication and adultery, affair after affair after affair, even though he makes multiplied promises, and she catches him, and he says, if there's a God, please help me. Welcome home. Come on, somebody, you better help me today. He's here to hear the groaning of the prisoner. Come on, clap your hands, lift your voice, give God the praise. In North Carolina, and I'm coming down the home stretch. In North Carolina, one of the most famous Air Force bases on the eastern seaboard has a massive billboard with a picture of an F-16 that says, pardon the sound. It's the sound of freedom. What does freedom look like? In our overly religious, entertained world, they have no idea what freedom even looks like. We got people that are getting baptized here and thank God for it, but you really don't even understand what that freedom is. If you'll stick around and we can instruct you what's happened in your life, you're going to understand that the greatest freedom is freedom from sin. That's why God was manifest in the flesh, to take away the sins of the world. And if you're sitting here, we are too close to the end to continue to try to fake everybody out and be some kind of a hypocrite and say, I really don't have liberty, but I'm ashamed and I'm afraid what everybody will think. God hears the groaning of the prisoner. What does freedom look like? What does freedom sound like? Go to that first scripture in John chapter 8, please, Brother Malachi. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. What does freedom look like? That's not just a revelation of Acts 2.38. That is a revelation that there's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father above all, through all, and in you all. There's only one gospel. There's only one Holy Ghost. There's only one way to be baptized. There's only one, 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 one. And when you experience that truth, God will systematically remove everything that's holding you back from experiencing liberation. You're gonna have to, you're gonna literally have to tell God, I ain't moving. I ain't doing that. You're gonna you're gonna literally have to grieve the spirit and then quench the spirit. Because the spirit, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is a little louder. Give me liberty. If you're holding your sin over the liberty of the Holy Ghost. 
I will never forget what Brother Quaylar said as long as I live. He was a, a gangbanger in Southern California that was hooked on crack cocaine, ran with a, a Mexican gang. And he said he OD'd and he woke up and God spoke to him and said, if you don't change, I'm going to leave you like this. I wouldn't be in a place that's professing liberty. We are so close to the end. I am believing that in the days ahead that God is going to start emptying people from these denominational churches. Good people. They're not evil people, but they've just been misinformed. They don't know that there is a truth. There's more than just Jesus is the Son of God. There's the fact that there's only one Lord. There's only one way to be baptized. When you get the Holy Ghost to speak another tongue, you will be liberated from the inside out. This is what liberty looks like. Well, pastor, I can't do that. Maybe you ain't free. Let's stand. Go to the next scripture in John. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, if Jesus truly makes you free, it doesn't matter what your wife thinks. doesn't matter what your husband thinks. doesn't matter what your neighbors think. doesn't matter what your care pastor thinks. doesn't matter what your, your, your extended family that's not even in church thinks. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. I'm free. I know what God did for me, and I'm going to stay free. If that means standing up, if that means waving my hands, if that means lifting my voice, if that means running in circles, if that means doing whirly birds, if that means doing it, I'm going to stay free. Clap your hands and lift your voice. He that the Son has made free. Now, I'm going to hit one last thing. And then there are some people that say, I'm fine. No argument. We're not here to put people down and bash people. I'm fine. I don't have to do all that. But that is the biblical expression of liberation. See, one of the greatest liberties is, is when you're free from not caring what anybody thinks. See, just, just before you're about to go like this, the devil's going to say, ah, 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 ah. And right before you're about ready to take that lap, the devil's going to show you your wife's face and go, na, 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 na. Honey, when you get free, you're going to say, in the face of every lying devil, I think I'll take a lap right now. I need somebody to take a lap right now. I need somebody to shout right now. I need somebody to lift their voice. If you're free, give him praise. If you're free indeed, and free indeed means I'm really free. It's not just a profession. It is a reality. Oh, come on. Let's clap our hands and give him praise. Glory, 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 glory. Brother Marks, did you take a lap? He's free.
Now, there are some people that say, I'm already free. But you cannot, you cannot shut your iPhone off when it's time to pray for an hour. You cannot back away when those, when those spirits are trying to get you to look at pornography and bring you back into chains. So you're really not free. Jesus made this statement, if the light that's in you is really dark, if you really think you're, you're free and you're not, how great is that darkness? There was a situation that happened here. I've, I've been doing this a long time. I've got a lot of stories. There was a situation that took place a long time ago where there was a family that came to this church. Their daughter was a little bit different. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. She just, she just was. But we loved her. We loved the whole family. She had somebody in the world. She had a guy in the world that finally got interested in her. And the parents said, Pastor, what do you think about this? I said, bring him to church. Let him get free first. She continued that relationship because it was the first time in her life that anybody had paid her any attention. I told the parents, this is not right. We spent hours talking to the girl. This is not right. This is not, this is, this is not the word of God. It's not the spirit of God. It's not the will of God. But she went ahead and left church, married this guy. And but before it was all over, there was a molestation of her children by the same guy. But see, when you think you're free and you're really not free, how great is that delusion? Now, I'm going to tell you that Jesus came to this world to make every single human being free. But you got to pursue it. you got to want it. you got to say, I'm not letting my flesh, I'm not letting the devil, and I'm not letting the world tell me what is right, what is real, what is free, what is not free. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not letting any other voices do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to press this. I'm going to push this. I'm going after this. I'm going to do whatever I got to do because I want to be free. I want to be free indeed. I want to not just free up here. Indeed, which means in reality, the devil knows it. The world knows it. God knows it. Clap your hands and give him praise. Oh, somebody praise him. Now, this is what we're going to do the next several moments. This altar is going to be open. And if you're wanting to be free indeed, free indeed is saying that in reality, I am free. Not just a profession, not just what it looks like to other people through my personal grooming and just my attendance but free indeed, this altar is open. Because I'm telling you that God sent me to this place today to preach to somebody that when you're free and you're free indeed, it looks different, it sounds different, it feels different, it's wonderful, it's glorious. Let's strike up the band. Come on, this altar's open. Somebody come, bring somebody. Come on.
Come on, church, let's find something to pray with. Come on. God's here to remove the chain. God's here to make you free indeed. You may have to adjust your epistemology. You may have to adjust how you pray. You may have to adjust how you pray. You may have to adjust how you live. But it's worth it. I refuse to lose. 